الحمد لله حمدا كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه كما يحب ربنا ويرضى اشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله الناصح الامين اللهم صل على نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين ومن تمسك بسنته الى يوم الدين ثم اما بعد الحمد لله على نعمه الاسلام والسنه all praise and thanks belong to Allah for guiding us to Islam and for guiding us to the sunnah alhamdulillah we continue going over some important lessons or reflections on important matters in light of the book and the sunnah and last week's class we pretty much just took a general introduction outlining the importance of aim of knowledge and in particular the importance of seeking knowledge as relates to our sisters it is incumbent that each and every one of us however take a serious concern with learning so that we ourselves may benefit bithnilahi ta'ana and so we may share that benefit with others so that we may remove ignorance from ourselves and likewise remove ignorance from others as relates to where one will begin as relates to studying seeking knowledge seeking proficiency in science of the sciences of the religion then bila shak wa bila raib we have to begin begin we have to begin where the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam where he begun and likewise where the anbiya and the rusul all of them where they started Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says in his noble book laqad kana lakum fi rasulillahi uswatun hasana that verily undoubtedly you have for you in the messenger of Allah the best example the best example inside of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says liman kana yarju Allah واليوم الاخر for the one who they are anticipating and they're looking forward to the meeting with Allah and of the last day وذكر الله كثيرا and they remember Allah much it is incumbent that we look to what was the methodology of the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam when he began to call the people to that which will benefit them to call the people to that which was their success to call the people to that which will lead them to the jannah and undoubtedly the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam he began by calling the people to la ilaha illallah and the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam he commanded others also to begin with calling the people to la ilaha illallah 
The Prophet وسلم, when he sent Mu'ad to Yemen, he told him that he was going to a people from the people of the book. So let the first thing that he called them to be, Allah, to single out Allah alone in worship. Let the first thing that he called them to is, La ilaha illallah. So it is incumbent and it is a must that we begin here. Because if we want to be successful, then we have to adorn ourselves and be upon the correct belief, the belief of the Anbiya and the Rusul, the belief of the Prophets and the Messengers. And we have to know with sound and good knowledge the meaning of this tremendous kalima. Because this kalima is the mitah of Jannah. It is the key for Jannah. But every mitah has a snan. Every key has teeth or it has the grooves, the ridges. And if you were to strip that key or any particular key from its grooves, its ridges, its teeth, or you were to alter them, or you were to miss certain numbers of them, and so on and so forth, then that key will not work. It will not operate correctly. So if we realize and acknowledge that La ilaha illallah is Miftah al-Jannah, is the key for Jannah, then we have to realize that each key has teeth and we must bring the teeth of La ilaha illallah. And that will be Bila Shak wa Bila knowing what are the pillars of La ilaha illallah. Knowing what are the conditions of La ilaha illallah. Knowing what is the meaning of La ilaha illallah based upon proofs and evidences. Based upon proofs and evidences. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inside of his noble book, he commands us to seek ilm, to seek knowledge and to know what is the meaning of La ilaha illallah. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says in Surah Muhammad, in verse 19, فَعْلَمْ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ And know, have ilm, فَعْلَمْ, have knowledge, have knowledge, have sound knowledge, that verily none has the right to be worshipped in truth except Allah. نعم. And it is incumbent that we know this because as mentioned, Imam al-Albani, rahimahullah ta'ala, he mentioned that if you were to ask most of the Muslims what is the meaning of la ilaha illallah, if you were to ask most of the Muslims, ma ma'na la ilaha illallah, he said they would either say to you, la adri, I don't know, or they will give you a false meaning. They will give you a false interpretation. Naam. It is a must that we seek to alleviate this ailment because undoubtedly this ailment is an ailment that is terminal. This is an ailment that is serious. And if we find such an ailment plaguing ourselves or plaguing our families, then we will be the first to try to offer them treatment to inform them of the cure, so on and so forth. Naam. If we were to give an example of a deadly disease that was curable and we found members of our family suffering from this disease, then we would be quick in administering the medicine. 
Now, likewise, if we found ourselves suffering from an ailment that was critical and we knew of the cure, we will be quick in going to fill that prescription for said cure. Now, because it only makes sense. Now, this is as relates to those ailments that may plague the body. And as far as the body is concerned, this body is designed to one day meet its end. It's not meant for us to be in this here, in this dunya forever. But we're going to die. So, as relates to that, our death in the overall sense is something that is inevitable anyway. Now, however, with that being the case, we still will rush for the medicine. So now what about a situation where it is linked to that which it will destroy a person ultimately? A destruction that they will have to endure forever. A destruction that whether they are patient or they're not patient, it will not avail them because they will never be able to handle it. A punishment and a chastisement that is beyond yani, the full depth of our understanding and that we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we never come to know its reality. So what about this type of ailments? Wouldn't we be quick to alleviating it or quick to seeking its cure? It would deserve more rights than we are quick to alleviating such an ailment. And bila shakku bila ray, ignorance, then it is an ailment. And being ignorant about la ilaha illallah, it is destructive. And potentially the ultimate ruin can result from it. So it is incumbent that we ask our children and that we test them and before that ourselves so that we know what is the meaning of La ilaha illallah. Naam. Imam ibn Uqayyim rahimahullah ta'ala, he advises that as soon as the child is able to speak enough to say La ilaha illallah, then we should teach the children how to say La ilaha illallah. Now this is something that as parents, and especially for mothers, and maybe more so for the fathers due to the ego of the men, we want to stress upon them. Because we all know that parents, they fight for what's going to be the child's first word. And the father wanted to be Abby, Baba, or something of the like. That's pointing and leaning towards him. But we should seek to alter our perception and our perspective and strive for even at this early age when the children are able to articulate and to formulate words to teach them how to say la ilaha illallah and to connect them to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even at this early age that we speak to them, that we read Quran to them that we say la ilaha illallah to them that we encourage them how to say La ilaha illallah. Now, it is incumbent that we reinstill or that we instill and we train our children from a very, very early age to be connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, and this is a little diversion, but Shaykh Sulaiman al-Ruhayli, ta'ala, in speaking on this topic, uh, or that which is related to it and connected to it, he mentioned, that when we are encouraging the small children to do those good, righteous, good deeds and so on and so forth, that even at this point we should always be connecting them to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we should not connect them to alternative things or to other things. 
And a, a very big mistake is that individuals, they will connect the children. For example, they will say, if you yani, fast these days in Ramadan, I will give you some money. Right? If you memorize this and this and this from the Quran, I will give you however amount of dollars and so on and so forth. The Shaykh, he says, although this is an incentive to get them to want to do what is right, we're connecting them to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because now when they memorize that surah, is it to please Allah? No, it's to get that money or to get whatever it is that was promised unto them. However, he said that when they do things from righteousness, like when these small girls, when they put on khimar, then we should reinforce and tell them this is that which pleases Allah. Alhamdulillah, you're doing that which Allah is pleased with. May Allah be pleased with you. May Allah Ta'ala bless you. May Allah reward you. So on and so forth. That we constantly give them positive reinforcement and we connect them to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by the likes of these things. Now that's not to say, na'am, we don't, you can't buy them a present. No, buy them a present, but don't connect it to it. Na'am. Alhamdulillah, may Allah reward you. You are so good. You are such a good little Muslimah. You are such a good little Muslim. MashaAllah. Alhamdulillah. Like this. And then, you could buy them a present and say, I'm glad you're a present because you're a good little boy, you're a good little girl, so on and so forth. But whereas in their mind it's not connected to what they have done. But rather, we strive and we educate them so that they are connected to striving to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is their motivation. To please their Lord, Jalla wa'ala. Na'am, ala kulli hal. It is incumbent that first, before we give something, we have to have it. Before we give it, we have to have it. Al-faqidu shay, la The one who is deprived of something, then they will be incapable of giving it. If you don't have it, you can't give it. Naam. And it's unfortunate, it really is, that a lot of times, a lot of times, that we're not really concerned with the likes of these things. Now, a lot of times we become selfish and we become short-sighted and we're not concerned with this. And I'm saying this to say this is that what? When we seek to marry and to get married, are these questions that we ask the potential spouse? Now, very simple question. Do you know the meaning of la ilaha illallah? Are these things that we even come across our mind? Because undoubtedly, if that potential person doesn't know the meaning of la ilaha illallah, then what ultimate good are they going to be for you and your family? Now, what ultimate good? All these years they've been living on the earth, all these years they've been Muslim, and they don't know the meaning of la ilaha illallah, now they want to get married? Now, and this is the person you want to pick to help raise your children? Now, it's not to say that that can't be reversed, it could be, but I'm saying is that, and the point is, is that, does this even cross our minds? That's the point. Does it even cross our minds? It should. Does it in many cases? Allah understand. We, we know. But it should. Now, it should. Let us start to prepare from this. And this is really to those yani, uh, younger ones who are attending these classes who, are, who have yet to be parents. Now, who have yet to be married. To start to adjust the way in which you look at things, start to adjust your outlook to be more far-sighted. Don't be just short-sighted. This person has these particular qualities from the qualities of the dunya. This person is whatever, and, and so on and so forth. Now, 
or whatever qualities and characteristics that they may have from good character and so on and so forth. But I want you to look to the likes of these things because this is really the foundation of what is good character. Now, because if a person does not have good character with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, no matter how nice they treat human beings and animals and so on and so forth, they are environmentally conscious and the like, they can never ultimately have good character. Why? Because they have bad character with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, likewise, if they have bad character with the Prophet sallallahu they can never ultimately have good character. If they have bad character with the Sahaba, they can never ultimately have good character. And this is something that we have to understand because this is the reality. Ala hal. We have to know what is the meaning of La ilaha illallah based upon proofs and evidences. Based upon proofs and based upon evidences. When we die, the angels are going to ask us three questions. Man Rabbuk, who is your Lord? Madinuk, what's your religion? Waman Nabiyuk, and who is your prophet? We have to know the answers of these, Naam, meaning we have to believe. We have to believe correctly, and that correct belief is based upon knowledge. That correct belief is based upon knowledge. Because if you're ignorant of something, how can you believe in it? Naam. If you don't know about something, how can you believe how can you believe in it? Naam. It is incumbent that we have knowledge of it so that we can believe in it. And we know that ilm is based upon what? It's based upon adillah. It's based upon proofs. It's based upon evidences. Naam. Ilm is based upon proofs. It's based upon evidences. Because ilm is what? It's part of Allah, part of Rasulullah, part of Sahaba. Knowledge is Allah said, the Messenger said, the Sahaba said. That's knowledge. That's ilm. Naam. That's ilm. That's knowledge. So, we have to base our ilm upon those proofs and the evidences, the Qur'an, the Sunnah, the Ijma'ah. Naam, we have to base our ilm upon proofs and upon evidences. Because when we are asked these questions, that belief has to be a sound belief that's based upon proofs and evidences. Those who make taqlid, naam, as relates to uh, their belief, you have from the ulama, the likes of Shaykh Saleh, Abd Aziz, and Shaykh, who he mentions that the one who answers the question wrong, they will say, They will say, I don't know. I don't know. I heard the people saying something, so I said it. I heard the people saying something, so I said it. So he extracted from this that just hearing the people saying something, and in parroting that without having knowledge of it, without believing in it, based upon ilm, he said, then this won't save you from what those people are going to receive. This won't save you from saying that and answering incorrectly. Now, that you say, I, I, I don't know. I heard the people saying something, so I said it. He said, so this here is a proof that taqlid, that blind following, taqlid al-a'ma, blind following, when it comes to the affairs of aqidah, لا ينفع. It will not benefit you. It will not benefit you. Naam. And it is incumbent and it is important that we understand this. This is Allah's deen. This is Allah's deen. We learn this deen because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down the Quran. He sent his Prophet وسلم, and revealed to him the Sunnah. The Sahaba learned from the Prophet وسلم, and they transmitted that in to 
the tabi'oon. And the tabi'oon to ethbet tabi'een. And so on and so forth and so on and so forth. Now, the point is, is that what? Is that everything is based upon proofs and evidences. It's not just because Shaykh so-and-so said, Al-Alama so-and-so said, Mawlana Fulan said. No, it's based upon proofs and evidences. So any person that will come to you and that will discourage you from asking about the proofs and the evidences is a person who does not have your best uh, and your benefits in mind. They do not have the best for you in mind. Naam, that makes sense? Because this deen is not a deen because I said so. This deen is not a deen because I said so. Who is you? Man anta hatta taqulu ma'indu. Who are you until you say what you got with you? Naam, so what you said it? If it's not backed up by the Qur'an, if it's not backed up by the sunnah of Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then what you have said is meaningless, insignificant, doesn't mean anything. It doesn't change anything. Naam, just because someone said it doesn't make it so. What makes it so is that Allah said this is what it is. The Prophet ﷺ said this is what it is. Because in reality, this is what it is. That's what it is. Not just because we said. So it is incumbent that we get out of this habit of don't ask me, don't ask for the adilla, don't ask for, don't ask, what? SubhanAllah. This is not from the adab of Islam. This is not from the adab of Islam. When no sahaba, when they were mentioned a hadith to Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he will ask for them what? Where's the statement? Bring me the hadith. Where, where you get this from? Bring me the hadith. Now, he was stern with them as relates to this. So as to teach a lesson, because he knew what they were transmitting were correct, because all the sahaba are trustworthy. But he was teaching a lesson to further the other generations. He was teaching a lesson to other generations that this deen, this deen is Allah's deen. So you're not going to speak about it recklessly. But you have to speak upon it based upon proofs and evidences. Now this is, well, this is how Umar radiallahu ta'ala established this as relates to those who were trustworthy, as relates to the greatest of this ummah, the sahaba, so as to teach other than them that if this is the case as relates to them, then what do you think is going to be the case as relates to you? Now this was a lesson to others that when you speak about Allah's deen, you have to have proofs and evidences. It's not acceptable even from the best of this generation that they speak from their own desires. No, it has to be based upon proofs and evidences. And the best of this nation taught us not to speak on their own desires. A person asked Abu Bakr one time about the meaning of an ayah. And, and he told him, La Adri, I don't know him. And he didn't mention. And then when he kept pressing him, he said, He said, what, what earth except it might swallow me up? And what, and what sky is going to be over me except it might crash down and fall on my head? If I spoke about Allah's book from my opinion. This is Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, the best of this ummah. The best human being after the prophets and the messengers. And he refused to speak about Allah's book from his, from his opinions. This is the edab, this is the characteristic, this is the mannerism that the Sahaba, they taught us. So this is what we want to just reinforce and to reiterate is our foundation. So anything that is spoken about has to be based on proofs and evidences. Now, anything that is spoken about has to be based on the proofs and has to be based on the evidences. So therefore, with Milahi Ta'ala, there is not a single thing 
with with regards to the yani the, the the key and the major points in which you have to have to have to have to have to have except that the proofs and the evidences will be mentioned and except that you will be responsible for knowing them you will be responsible for knowing them they will be upon the homework they will be constantly yani uh, you will be constantly questioned about them and you are required to memorize the proofs and the evidences. Memorize them. So you have them with you. Bidnilahi ta'ala. Right. If a person were to ask you, ma ma'na la ilaha illallah, then you will say to them, the meaning of it is, la ma'buda bihaqqin illallah, that nothing has the right to be worshipped in truth except Allah. Now, Nothing has the right to be worshipped in truth except Allah. And the reality is, And other than Allah, if it is, if it is worshipped, then it's worshipped in falsehood. If other than Allah is worshipped, then that worship is wrong, it's false, it's erroneous, it's not right to the end of it. Right? Wait. So now, after saying that, is it okay now? We move on to the next point. No. But rather it has to be asked, وَمَدْ دَلِيلٌ What's the proof? You said, لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ means, لَا مَعْبُودَ بِحَقٍ إِلَّا اللَّهِ طيب, وَمَدْ دَلِيلٌ What's the proof? What's the proof? That's, that's what it means. What's the proof? That's what it means. The proof, there are many. From the proof, is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's statement, ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الْحَقِّ this is because Allah what translated means this is because Allah He is the truth and verily that which is called upon Him other than Him yani, that which is called upon other than Him then it is done so in falsehood it is done so in falsehood Naam. so now the question becomes how is that a proof of La ilaha illallah how is that a proof? Where is, yani, uh, shahid, where is the angle of proof inside of this particular ayah? Where is it? To better understand, we have to know, or what will help us better understand, is to know that la ilaha illallah consists of two parts, meaning it has two pillars. It has two pillars. Does anyone know what those pillars are? Now, a nafi will ifmat. A negation and an affirmation. Now, affirmation, negation, now, that's true, but it's reverse the order. A negation and an affirmation. Now, we'll make the lead. And what's the proof of that? Hmm? And, and, and the phrase itself? It's in the, it's in the kalima itself. Right, because in the kalima, what do we have? We have. La ilaha. Now, what does la ilaha establish? Naam. How would you translate that? Right? Give the sisters give them a couple of seconds to answer amongst themselves. What does that establish? La ilaha. How is that translated? La ilaha. What? Nothing has the right to be worshipped. Naam. Or more technically, more literally, there is no ilah. There is no ilah. 
and we understand from, from the Arabic construction in truth. Right? So an ilah is an object of worship. Ma'bud. This is the meaning of ilah. It's, a, it's, it's that which is worshipped. That which has people, they worship it. Naam? So there is nothing that is an object of worship. Ain't bihap. In truth. In truth. This here is what? This is an affirmation or this is a negation? Which one is this? This is negation. It's negating. La ilaha. Negates it. Right? But, illallah. That's negation or affirmation? Ba'at. Hmm? Ba'at. Now, that is? What's the translation of ithbat? To affirm. To affirm an affirmation. Right? Okay. So that affirms what? It affirms that now that that who is worshipped in truth? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that affirms all ibadah belongs to Allah and to Allah alone. Now, so in the kalima itself we have two pillars. The first pillar is what? Is negation. And the proof of that is in the portion of the kalima, La ilaha. Now, this negates. This negates worship. From all the false deities. It negates worship from everything. Illallah. Except Allah. So in the phrase. Illallah is the second pillar. And that is what? Affirmation. Except Allah. Naam. So la ilaha illallah has two pillars. Has two pillars. Those pillars are negation and affirmation. The proof for negation is Allah's statement, La ilaha. The proof of affirmation is Allah's statement, in Allah. That makes sense? Okay. So now when we understand this, that everything that is worshipped other than Allah is false, and Allah is the only one that is worshipped in truth, now let's go back to the verse. ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الْحَقِّ that is because Allah, He is the truth. What does that mean? That He is the one who's what? Who's worshipped in truth. That's Ithbaz. That's an affirmation, right? That only Allah is the one who was worshipped in truth. That's an affirmation. We're affirming that ibadah belongs to Allah. An affirmation. But the kalima of La ilaha illallah, does it have an affirmation? Yes. Yeah. Yes, and that affirmation is where? Illallah. Right. And verily, that which is called upon other than him is false. Right. That which is called upon other than him is false. That's an affirmation or is that a negation? That's an affirmation. That's a negation because then we're negating. Right? We're negating. It's a statement, but we're negating. We're, 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 we're informing that that which is called upon other than Allah, then it's false. His worship is false. So therefore what? We reject that because it's false. It's bothered. It's erroneous. It's not true. So that points us to what? A negation. The kalima of la ilaha illallah. Does it have a negation in it? Yeah. Where? La ilaha. Now that nothing has the right to be worshipped in truth. So this is why the ulama, when they mention 
that the meaning of la ilaha illallah is la ma'buda bihaqqin illallah they bring this as a proof and evidence because it points you to the same concept that all the ibadah belongs to Allah and everything other than Allah that is worshipped is done so in falsehood it's not true, it's not right it affirms worship for Allah and negates worship for everything other than Allah and that's exactly what la ilaha illallah does because listen the kalima of la ilaha illallah when a person takes his shahada of la ilaha illallah what are they taking the covenant of? is to give all ibadah to Allah and to negate worship from everything else. Whether it's Jesus, whether it's Mary, whether it's the saints, whether it's angels, whether it's prophets, regardless of who it is. All worship belongs to Allah and to Allah alone. This is the covenant that we take when we take our shahada, when we enter into the deen of al-Islam. This is the covenant that we keep reiterating when we recite Fatiha inside of a salah, every time we say La ilaha illallah, this is the covenant that we keep reiterating, we keep reiterating, we keep reiterating that all of the ibadah belongs to Allah and no ibadah belongs to anything or anyone else. Now, so this is the what? The concept of La ilaha illallah. That we affirm worship for Allah and we negate worship from other than Allah. That makes sense? So when we go back now, so we say the meaning, la ma'buda. There is nothing that has, uh, there's nothing that is worshipped. La ma'buda. There is nothing that is worshipped. Bihaqqa. There is nothing that is worshipped in truth. That's similar to what? La ilaha. Right? That's similar to la ilaha. But, and then you say, then we say, illallah. Illallah is not just similar, but exactly the same as Illallah, right? So when the ulama, when they mentioned the meaning of La ilaha illallah is La ma'buda bihaqqin illallah, they're, uh, what's the word? They're stating the kalima in other words. It's the same meaning, they're just stating it in other words to make it clear. Because unfortunately, the Muslims, they have become confused. Shaitan has confused them of the meaning. Because you have Muslims who pray to awliya. The Sufiya, they pray to the, the yani, their dead mashayikh. Now, they pray to awliya, people dead in the grave. They'll go to them, they ask for them questions, they'll make istighatha with them, they seek help with them in times of peril, so on and so forth. When you step back and you examine this, they make dua to them. Now, I mean, dua is ibadah. The Prophet said, it is worship so they make it worship to them but at the same time in their um, in their like adhkar right they say la ilaha illallah right in their Sufi songs there in the sheet you find la ilaha illallah so a person who has aqil who's looking at this from the outside they will come to one obvious conclusion. There's a, there's another conclusion we can come to, but they come to one obvious conclusion. That is that what these individuals obviously don't know what is the meaning of la ilaha illallah. Because if you say la ilaha illallah and then you turn around and pray to other than Allah, you make dua to other than Allah, you have con- you have immediately contradicted your previous statement. 
you have immediately contradicted yourself. So that shows us because no one, no one who is sane will just contradict themselves so openly and so blatantly. But this is an indication that what? They don't know the meaning. Because there's no way you can know the meaning and then turn around and do this. There's no way. There's no way you can say la ilaha illallah and then turn around and, and, and seek help in times of peril with someone dead in their grave who can't even help themselves in their current situation. So how are they going to help you? You understand? You see how Shaitan plays with the people, plays with the children of Adam and then laughs at them because they do things that are so idiotic and that will lead to their destruction and they do it willingly and enthusiastically so, and happily and so on and so forth. He laughs at them. Now, so this is a travesty. The point is, is that these actions obviously contradict La ilaha illallah. Obviously. But they don't get it, unfortunately. This is why we have to know So you have to seek knowledge. To know what is the meaning of la ilaha illallah. Why? Because it's not that obvious just to everyone. It should be. It should be. Right? But it's not just that obvious to everyone. The, 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 the mushrikun of Quraysh, it was obvious to them. That's why they wouldn't say it. Because they understood. If we say la ilaha illallah, then we cannot worship al-lat anymore. We cannot worship al-uzza anymore. So on and so forth. They, they understood that. That if we, if we take this covenant, then we have to abandon the worship of these idols. And because they were bent on worshiping the idols, they refused to say it. Now, so their level of intelligence, unfortunately, yani, it is greater than the level of intelligence of many of the Muslims, if not most of the Muslims on the earth today. It's unfortunate. Now, and we're not saying this to, 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 to pick fun. We're not saying this trying to speak down on anyone. No, we're just speaking what is the reality. That's it. We're just speaking what is the reality. Those who come from certain countries and so on and so forth, and they say back home, they perhaps understand this better than people who are here who have read about these things in, in, in theory. Right? Uh, there was a brother... Uh, from one of the West African countries, I won't say which country, because that's not any, you know, from West African country, and he told me, he said, Subhanallah, in my village, he said, when I go home, I have to pray in the house. I said, what do you mean? It's a Muslim country. What are you talking about? He said, because in my village, there is not a single masjid, not a single masjid, except it has a grave of saint whoever in there, different, this one, saint such and such in that masjid, saint so and so buried in that masjid, so on and so forth. He said, every masjid has a grave or graves, plural, in it. He said, so I, I can't, I, I, I end up having to pray in the house. I said, subhanAllah, but the whole village is Muslim, right? Yes. He said, this is to the level that ignorance has plagued the ummah. This is to the level that the ummah, the ignorance, it has plagued it. Now, when I lived in Egypt, I saw with my own eyes people going to worship Sayyid Bedouin. Now, on his birthday, they used to worship Sayyid Bedouin. On, yani, six months before his birthday, they had another celebration, worshiping Sayyid Bedouin daily. I never saw with my eyes witness daily. Now, so I never went inside that graveyard, or what they call the masjid. I never went inside. Now, but 
on on the celebrations, if you in the area, the Mahatma is right there, the Mahatma for Thumpa is right there. If you get up for the Mahatma on one of them days of the celebrations, you don't have to go inside. Could they be outside worshiping him? Outside making tawaf around his 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 uh, his masjid or graveyard. Yeah, they bringing animals. Yeah, they bring khuruf and they slaughtered them there in the name of Sayyid Bedouin. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. This is to the extent that they worship of Sayyid Bedouin. And then the narration that it reached me, they said, even yani, after the salawats, they throw letters and notes and things back behind yani, the, whatever the gate, whatever the, where the grave is, with their requests. Why? Because of ignorance. Because of ignorance. During one of those, yani, it was the, the six month one, right? Um, people were down there, and yani, I heard it with my own ears. Part of their chance was La ilaha illallah. Why are they doing this stuff? So this was clear. They don't understand the meaning of La ilaha illallah. This is to the extent that ignorance has gripped the Muslims. So this, of course, is a travesty. This is a disease that we have to seek to cure. And that is cured by knowledge. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Fa'lam, seek knowledge, have knowledge that none has the right to worship the truth except Allah, we have to do that. We have to do that. Why? Because the shayateen, they have tried to yani, obscure the meaning of la ilaha illallah. So they'll come and they'll say the meaning of la ilaha illallah is la rabb illallah. There is no Lord except Allah. Is that the meaning of la ilaha illallah? Of course not. Naam? Meaning that that's not the whole inclusive meaning. That is true and that's a portion of the meaning because that points to Tawheed al-Rububiyyah, but that is not the overwhelming message of La ilaha illallah. When the Prophet ﷺ went to the Quraysh and he called them to La ilaha illallah, he wasn't calling them to acknowledge that Allah was their Lord, that Allah was their creator. Ma'am, that's like if you go to a Christian, is it your main goal and objective to encourage them to believe that Allah created them? No. Why? Because they already believe that. Now, if you ask the Christian who created you, they'll look at you like you're crazy and they'll say God. Like, duh. Right? If you ask them who, yeah, and he says down the rain, who makes the crops grow, they'll look at you again, a duh moment, like God. Obviously. So, what would be the objective of calling them to la ilaha illallah so they can enter into Islam but it's built on a belief they already have. Right? Does that even make sense? Does it make sense? Now, 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 now do it. Those who are agnostic, they believe in a creator. They just don't believe in organized religion. Right? Okay, so we call them to believe in a creator they already believe in. So now what? They're already Muslim before we got there? No. So then obviously, that's not the meaning of La ilaha illallah. If, if you say La, la ilaha illallah, you enter into Islam. So that's obviously not the meaning that Allah is our creator. Now, we know that that's true. Allah is our creator. Now, but when we call them to La ilaha illallah, we're calling them to what? We're calling them to worship Allah and Allah alone. Don't worship anything else. Submit yourself to Allah as a Muslim upon Tawheed. This is what we're calling them to. That makes sense? It's incumbent that we understand this well. And it's incumbent that we see the falsehood in those who come and say that La ilaha illallah means that there is no Lord except Allah. Okay, what about those when they come and they say La ilaha illallah means there is no God but Allah? 
Is that what it means? No. No. Why? Because one, let's, let's look at this, that statement. There is no God but Allah. Remember we mentioned a God is what? Anything that is worshipped. Whether that worship is true or false. A God is something that is worshipped. Do the Hindus have gods? Yeah, they got a bunch of gods, right? Right? Different, you know, descriptions and manifestations or whatever, a bunch of them. Are those things called gods? Yes. Do the Buddhists, do they have a god? Yes. So on and so forth. We can keep going on and on and on and on and on and on. The, yeah, the, the ancient Sumerian religion, did they not have a, a god? Gods, believe in Anunnaki and all this stuff? They had gods, right? Okay, so if we come in now, because we know la ilaha illallah is the kelim of truth. If we come now and say it means there is no God but Allah, anyone with an intellect would turn around and say, well then, that's not the statement of the truth because that don't even fit reality. People have all kind of gods. The Norse, didn't they have the Norse uh, myth? Huh? Odin and Thor and all this type of stuff. They had a whole bunch of gods. Right? Loki and whoever, they had a whole bunch of gods. Correct? Okay, but, we, but we're going to try to convince them that the truth is there is no God. No, no one worships Nothing is worship except Allah. You understand? So from that aspect, it's not correct because there are things that people worship, but they're worshiping falsehood. So it can't mean that. And the other more sinister meaning is that what? If you say there is no God but Allah, but you acknowledge that there are other things that are worshipped, then what that means is that you're trying to say indirectly because everything that is worshipped is Allah. This is what wahdat al-wujud. This is the belief that Allah is everywhere and in everything and a part of His creation. This, in essence, and, and people don't people don't understand this, but in essence, do you know that this is in essence the foundation of the Hindu belief? This is the foundation of the Hindu belief, and the Hindus have a multitude of gods, right? But the ones, they'll tell you, all of these things were different manifestations of God, of the Creator. So when these people say that Allah is everywhere in everything, they're not what legitimizes. So if they're worshiping a cow, that's okay because they're not worshiping the cow, but they're worshiping the Creator in the cow. Right? Don't the Christians say that? We're not worshiping a man, worshiping a man who was God. Who was the manifestation of God? Do you understand the 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 depths of this kufr? While and this will help us understand what the ulama say that yani akfar akfaru ahl al arub ashab al aqil zawahat al wujud that the most disbelieving people on earth, the biggest kufar on earth, are the people who believe that Allah is everywhere and in everything. Because their kufr goes beyond the kufr of even the Hindus. Because it's restricted to however many gods they have. It goes beyond the kufr of the, the Christians. Because their kufr is restricted to belief that God came in as one person. Right? It's, it's, it's greater than the kufr of the nation of Islam who believe that the black man is God. Because there's only a certain number of black men on the earth. You understand? You bring a kufr worse than the kufr of Elijah Poole? SubhanAllah, that's amazing. Worse than the kufr of the Hindus in them? That's amazing. But these are the same individuals who will come and tell you that the meaning of la ilaha illallah, there is no God but Allah. So that can't be correct, all right? That's not correct. It's not accurate. 
in any which way, shape, or form. So it is incumbent that we are well versed on what is the true and correct meaning so that we can adequately convey that to others so that they too can be well versed on what is the correct meaning. So again, the correct meaning of La ilaha illallah is La ma'abuda bihaqqin illallah that there is nothing that has the and there is nothing that has the right to be worshipped or there is nothing that is worshipped in truth except Allah now for homework a part of the homework a part of the homework right Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says there is no compulsion in the religion because the true guidance has been made clear from falsehood so whoever disbelieves in the, in, in the false deities and they believe in Allah then they will have grabbed hold on the most trustworthy handhold. They will have taken hold of the most trustworthy handhold. The ulama tafsir, they say that the most trustworthy handhold, then it is the statement, La ilaha illallah. Naam? Wait, for homework, I want you to be able to look at this ayah, Naam? Because this ayah, uh, is one of the of, of, of the clearest and the most direct proofs of the meaning of La ilaha illallah. Now, I want you to look at this ayah and I want you to identify within this verse the pillars of La ilaha illallah and I want you to identify and show the point of reference on how this is a proof and evidence for La ilaha illallah. Next class will begin with this point and go over the homework. But for homework, that's what I want you to, to, to do and to memorize this ayah. And it's verse 256 from Surah Al-Baqarah. It is the ayah right after Ayat Al-Qursi. So you, you definitely can't forget where it's at. And it will be on the homework that will be posted in Telegram. Uh, yeah, I mean, sometime over the next few days, inshallah ta'ala. But this is what I want you to look at, identify, and to break down, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, in hopes and in efforts to enhancing and, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, all of our understandings and the like. وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين وجزاكم الله خيرًا